Well, good morning. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. I am so glad that you are here this morning to all of you who are watching in the corner classroom or upstairs. We are so thankful that you're here this morning. As John mentioned, we are in week two of our uh, Weapons of Self-Destruction series. Last week, we looked at our past and how our past has this ability to sort of, you know, sabotage our present and hijack our future. And this week, we're actually going to spend some time looking at how fear can do a very similar thing, how fear plants little landmines in our life that eventually can end up destroying our life and the people we care about and the relationships we have and ultimately even our relationship with God. We're going to talk about fear this morning and what you can do with it and specifically what God wants to do with your greatest fears this morning. See, we all walk in here, whether we realize it or not, we all walk in here carrying and concealing some form of fear a weapon of fear with us. For some, it's maybe for you, it's the, the, uh, the fear of rejection. Maybe for you, it's the fear of failure. Maybe for, for you, it's the fear of being hurt or the people you love being hurt. Maybe for you, it's a, a fear of maybe an uncertain future. You're kind of afraid of what you can't see. You don't know. Ultimately, we're most afraid of what we can't control. All of us are carrying fear in here this morning. So I think it's very important and very timely for us to talk about it. And ultimately, to go to God, we're going to look at one specific passage today that helps us kind of reframe our fear and have a new way of praying as we walk throughout this week. But I thought what might help us to kind of get all on the same page, to, you know, accept, you know, we all have certain levels of fear in our lives in different ways, in different places, is to name some of the phobias that surround us. And so we're actually going to do a little quiz for the next few moments. This is called Know Your Phobia. And we are going to actually put some up on the screen here, and I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to see if you can guess which fear this phobia comes from, okay? So here's what I want you to do first. I want you to turn to the person next to you, make sure you know their name, say, hello, my name is... No, that, you can do that now. And now, I want you to look at them in the eyes and say, be afraid, be very afraid. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put a technical term for a fear up on the screen, and you have to take a guess. That's the only rule. You have to turn to the person next to you, and you have to take a guess. Now, first one is slow pitch right over the plate. I'm pretty sure you're going to get this one. But if I were to put claustrophobia up on the screen, I want you to turn to the person next to you. What is that the fear of? Claustrophobia is the fear of. Go ahead. All right. Everyone get that one? Kind of see what we're doing here? That claustrophobia is the fear of enclosed spaces, tight spaces, right? So maybe that's something you, that's actual fear that you carry with you guys. You got, you know that one, you did good. All right, let's kind of step it up a notch here. I'm going to put another one on the board. Arachnophobia. <clears throat> Arachnophobia. Not just a movie from the 90s. Also a very real fear. Some of you are afraid of that movie. You go ahead and see if you can figure out what arachnophobia is. All right, arachnophobia is the fear of spiders. Yes, this is one that I struggle with. You know it's bad when you send your five-year-old in to kill a spider for you. Not a good sign. And not good parenting, by the way. All right, so a couple more here. It's gonna, now we're going to step it up a notch. You feeling confident? All right, a couple more. Uh, ophidiophobia. Oh, yeah, right. No Google, no Siri on this one, all right? Ophidiophobia. Turn to the person next to you and just take a guess. What do you think ophidiophobia actually is? Fear of what? Go ahead. (laughs) 
All right. Anyone care to take a guess? Ophidiophobia is the fear of snakes, actually. Yes. This is my wife's fear, which makes for great fun for our kids and for our family on a regular basis. So maybe that's one, a very real one for you. I'm going to step it up another notch. Next one, pogonophobia. Pogonophobia. I want you to turn to the person next to you. Take a guess. Maybe it's the fear of pogo sticks. I don't know. Take a guess. See what you come up with. Pogonophobia. Turn to the person next to you. See if you can guess. All right, this is, this is a very important one for our church. <clears throat> Pogonophobia is the fear of beards. <laughs> the fear of beards. So if this is your fear, you do not want to live in Logan Square. You want to avoid beards. Fear the beard at all costs. All right, two more, two more. Ecclesiophobia. Turn to the person next to you, see if you can guess what ecclesiophobia is. Ecclesiophobia, what do you think that is? All right. Anyone know what ecclesiophobia is? Fear of church. Fear of church. Oh, really interesting. Right, if this is your fear, you're clearly not here. You didn't make it today. Understand what we Hey, some people, really, that's a legitimate fear, fear of the church. Last one, here's what we're gonna do. This is like a fun one. Phobophobia. Turn to the person next to you, see if you can end on a winner. Phobophobia. What do you think phobophobia is? All right, what's phobophobia? The fear of fear. This is the D, all of the above phobia. I think you know the famous phrase, we have, the only thing we have to fear is phobophobia. That's how they originally wrote it. And then thankfully a copywriter got it and made it a lot better. The fear of fear. Now it's interesting as we kind of dive into what God's heart has for us today when it comes to our fears is the fear of fear is honestly the culture that we live in. We live in a culture of fear. We live in a culture that feeds off of fear. You think about it just for a second. I'm not sure what your specific fears are, but you just think about our news cycle and how it works and how people lead into stories. It is based on a culture of and feeds off of fear. There may be something in your house that your children are holding right now that is highly deadly and explosive. Follow up at 11. Like you don't, you don't know what that is. And so you're afraid and it has you hooked. You think about just our consumerism, what's at the root of consumerism. There's a fear there that I'm going to be left out. There's a fear that I'm not going to have enough. And so it drives a lot of our purchases to try this fear of not fitting in. You think about a lot of social media. It's really interesting. I've been studying, preparing for our time this weekend. Really interesting to see the fear that is actually behind of a lot of social media. Again, a lot of great, a lot of good that it does. But there is a borderline kind of fear at the root of it that I am actually missing out on something else. So I obsess over other people's lives because I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. In fact, sociologists and people who kind of study these things have come up with a phrase, maybe you've heard of it. It's FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. That's what drives a lot of our social media obsessions. We're so afraid that we're going to miss out on something in this life that we actually miss our lives by watching everyone else's life. You see that there's fear kind of rooted into almost everything we do all around us. We live in a culture of fear. So the question is, what do you do with your fear? 
What do you do with your fear? Now, we all have different fears. They all come from different places. What I want us to spend time looking at is where that fear takes you. Where does your fear take you? How does it drive the decisions that you make, the way that you do relationships? In fact, you may have even got here this morning based out of some kind of fear. You're afraid if you don't show up for church, God's going to be mad at you. So where is it that your fear is taking you? And specifically, where can you take your fear today? And, and most specifically, actually, who can you take your fear to today? And what is it that God actually wants to do with that fear? For me, one of the fears that you know, I've wrestled with on and off throughout my life is a, a very real fear. Maybe it's yours too. Mine is the fear of rejection. That's a very real fear for me. And God has done a lot of work and a lot of healing from taking the power away from that fear in my life. But for a lot of my life, that was a pretty driving force in my life. And I don't think I would have even known it or had the language to express that because it started when I was a kid. I was so afraid of rejection. So out of my fear of rejection, I worked really, really, really hard. I kind of oriented my life around this fear so as to never face its consequences. And so out of my fear of rejection, I learned early on that if I can get people to laugh at me, I may be able to get them to like me, and that means they won't leave me. And so I worked really hard, and I, worked, like, I became the class clown quick. I learned how to make people laugh. I could make teachers laugh their way out of disciplining me. It's awesome. And with great, it's a great power to have. I'm going to be honest with you. And with great power comes great responsibility, <laughs> of which I exercise none, none. I kind of figured out how to be sort of the life of the party and the class clown so that I could make sure that I could shore up you liking me just so that you wouldn't reject me. I would avoid conflict at all costs because if there's conflict, that means there's a crack in the relationship and that may mean that you're going to leave me. Again, this is you know, mostly from kind of my past growing up, but it's stuff that I look back now and go, God, that fear had such a hold on me. I would avoid conflict at all costs. I would avoid hard conversations because I didn't want the relationship to tip over and you to ultimately leave me. You know, it's so funny. When I think about when I started dating girls and all that kind of stuff for me, one of the things I look back and reflect on this again through years of kind of counseling and God's healing work in my life is I looked back at the first you know, handful or so of girls that I dated, and I found that I only dated girls who I knew liked me first. So I'd kind of find out who liked me. I'd send notes around class. Do you like me? <laughs> yes, no, maybe. Like whoever would receive it. I'd just sort of get it and then get it back and go, okay, I heard that she likes me. Okay, I'm, I'm going to like her. Why? Because I wouldn't have to face the fear of her rejecting me if she didn't like me. And consequently, I would stay in relationships for way too long because I was so afraid of being alone, being rejected. Do you see how these fears can take root in our life? How we can actually literally reorient our lives around our fears without even realizing it. So much power that fear of rejection had on my life. And I wonder if there are some fears that you have that have a similar kind of hold or similar kind of power in your life. I wonder what maybe the fears are in your life, that you've ordered your life, your relationships, maybe even your career, your view of yourself, your view of the future, ultimately your view of God around this fear. This fear can have such a powerful role in your life. Do you know why it's such a deadly weapon? Why fear is such a deadly weapon of self-destruction? Because here's what fear does. Fear basically is believing that the best God has for you is the worst thing you could imagine. 
Just let me say that again so you can sit with that for a second. Fear basically is, is convincing you that the, the best thing that God could offer you, the very best option, the God who created the universe, the God who loves you beyond reason, that the very best he has is the worst thing you can imagine. And so you look out either around your life or into your future and say, this is a possibility for me. This is as good as it gets. And the best that God has for me is sort of this worst case scenario that I could come up with. That's what fear actually is. It's saying to the God of the universe that my perceived possible future is greater than your reality, God. It reaches in, fear reaches into your future and borrows a possible outcome. It reaches in and borrows a possibility and then brings it back and makes it your present reality. Thanks, Jeannie. The fear, <laughs> fear is good. If it's good, it's good. I know. Fear reaches into your future, grabs a possible outcome, a future possibility, and then makes it your present reality. So this thing that could happen is going to happen, or I have to do whatever I can to reorient or order my life to avoid that possible reality, which I've made now my present reality. Do you see how powerful this weapon is? It says that the very best God has for me is the worst possible thing I can imagine. And so I begin to believe and put my faith in that possible outcome actually being a reality. So not surprisingly, God has something to say to this thing that has such power in our lives. And I want us to look at one verse. We're going to look at one verse today that has the power to reframe not only how you view your fear, but ultimately how you view God and have a relationship with him. So if you brought a Bible and asked you to pull that out, or you can grab actually one of these blue Bibles. If you didn't happen to bring one, that's okay. We've got you covered. There's a blue Bible in your seat back. And we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. In the blue Bible, just so you know if you're using that, it's page 857. Would you grab a Bible and a pen? There should be a pen near you as well. Because we're going to underline, circle a few things. You might want to jot down a few notes. We're going to look at one verse, 1 John in chapter 4. Let me give you a little context to how we step into this passage. You know, the Bible actually has a lot to say about your fear and mine. There are actually over 110 times that the Bible says these two phrases, either do not be afraid or fear not. Those two phrases, do not be afraid or fear not, appear over 110 times in the Bible. You can't turn a couple pages without hearing God say, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live in fear. And we're going to look at why in just a moment. This passage we're looking at, 1 John, was actually written by one of the first followers of Jesus, an apostle named John. Jesus, in fact, gave John a nickname. Does anyone know what the nickname that John carried with him throughout his life after he met Jesus? He was referred to as the beloved. Jesus called him the beloved, which means the disciple whom Jesus loves. So John carried with him this identity deep to his core that God loves me. God loves me. In fact, that's what Jesus called him. You're the beloved. I want you to know that I love you. Well, this guy, John the Beloved, actually right before he wrote what we're about to read, was sent into exile by the Roman emperor himself. The Roman emperor was so threatened by John and the teachings of Jesus that John was living out that he sent him to an island called Patmos. And while he was there, he was basically in solitary confinement for an extended period of time. While on that island, all by himself, that's where God kind of gave him the vision for the book of Revelation, which is freaked a lot of people out throughout the years. So coming just from that experience of having some of his worst fears realized, being kind of rejected, pushed off, sent in isolation, he's back in the city of Ephesus and he's writing these words coming out of the, what he had just experienced 
but out of what he knows to be true of who God has told him he actually is. 1 John 4, we're just going to read verse 18. He writes these words. There is how much? No fear in love. You need to circle that. There is no fear in love. Now, it doesn't say there's no fear in this world. We all know that we live in a world surrounded by fear. There's no fear kind of out there for us. There is fear, but there is no fear in real love, in God's love. There is no fear. And here's why. He says, perfect love, God's love, drives out fear. Now, this is very interesting. It doesn't sort of rationalize it, doesn't make a case for it, doesn't sort of, it drives it out. In other words, the love of God is so overwhelming that it overwhelms my most overwhelming fear. The love of God is so overwhelming that it actually overwhelms my most overwhelming fear and drives it out. In other words, the more I make room for the love of God in my life, the less there is room for fear to drive me and to orient my life so that I reorder my decisions and my relationships around fear. John says, no, 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 there's no love. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with the assumption that God is out to get you, that God is against you. He says the one who fears, who lives their life in fear, who is bound by fear, is not made perfect in love. Another word for perfect there would be mature or complete or growing. Someone who is ruled by and riddled with fear, that that future possibility becomes their present reality, that they look at their life and say, the best God has for me is the worst that I can imagine. That person is not mature or growing in love. Because perfect love drives out every fear. God's love, in other words, diffuses our fear. His love diffuses our fear, diffuses the lie that the best he has for us is the worst that we can imagine. It overwhelms our most overwhelming sense of fear. And what God does is he he not only speaks truth into our fears, but this is what's most important we see in this passage. He speaks love. He speaks love. Now, this is very important. It's not just that God's truth kind of overwhelms our fears. It's that his love overwhelms our fears. And what is the truth again and again and again throughout the Bible? That God is love. And so his perfect love casts out all of our imperfect fears and assumptions about our life and about him. His love is what overwhelms my most overwhelming fear. Now, for years of my life, I thought, I thought what I was supposed to do when I faced fear was to sort of, you know, kind of muscle up and face that fear with more faith. And if I just believed better, or if I just believed bigger, I could make that fear go away. I could eliminate it by the power of my faith. And for years, that's what I believed. And in fact, that's what I practice. The problem with that strategy is that believing is what got me into this mess in the first place. Because I believe that God's best for me is the worst thing I can imagine. I believe that a future possibility is my present reality. So more believing in and of itself is not going to get me out of my fear. Faith is incredibly important when it comes to our fears. But my faith is not what makes my fears 
go away. Faith isn't just what overcomes my fear. Faith is what comes when my fears have been overcome by God's love. I'm going to say that again because you might want to jot that down. Faith isn't what overcomes. It's not just faith that overcomes my fear. If I just try hard enough and believe hard enough, I can make this fear go away. Faith isn't what overcomes my fear. Faith is what actually comes when my fears have been overcome by God's love. Overwhelmed by God's love. When I get how much God loves me in my deepest, darkest moment, and I'm overwhelmed and undone by his love, then my faith begins to grow. Then my faith begins to grow because I see that God's love has once again carried me through. It's not just my faith that overcomes my fears. My faith comes when my fears have been overcome and overpowered and overwhelmed by God's perfect love. And see, this is where our faith, our relationship with God grows up. And I want to just lean in for a moment because I spent a lot of years of my life trying to muster up the faith to make my fears go away. I just want to lean in as your pastor for a moment and maybe challenge sort of a a framework that you've operated under when it comes to your fear and God and what he has to do with it. Could it be that it's not so much about me having the faith to make my fears go away, but that actually a mature faith looks fear in the face, looks at whatever my biggest fear is, and has the courage to accept that whatever it is that I may fear may actually happen. It may actually happen. And will I be okay in God's love if it does? It may actually happen. See, what I wanted to do is have a faith that was big enough to make it go away. But a mature and growing faith that's made perfect in God's love looks my biggest fears in the face and says, that may actually happen. That is a future possibility that could become my reality. And will I, do I believe that I will be okay in God's love? Will it hurt? Yes. Will it be difficult? Absolutely. Will it challenge and try me? Yes, most likely it will. But will I be okay? Will I be safe in the arms of God? Absolutely. And when I believe that I am loved by the God of the universe, I can look my fears in the face and not hope they go away, but say, if they come, I will be okay. I will be okay. My faith is not built in my circumstances. My faith is not built in my power to make my fears go away. My faith is rooted in the perfect love of God, which overcomes my deepest and darkest fears. That's when my faith actually begins to grow. That's when you and I begin to grow up. It's when you can look at a diagnosis and say, it may be cancer. And that would be terrible. And that's not what we planned And that's not what I hoped for. But even if it is, I will be okay because of God's love. It is greater than that fear. And we may not be able to start a family when we wanted to or the way that we wanted to. But do I believe that we will be okay? That we will be safe even in the difficult and trying realities of this world? I will be okay because I am covered by God's love. I may not 
I may not land that dream job that I have out there that aligns my passions with the world's great needs and a giant salary. I may not land that dream job, but will I be okay? Will I be okay if I don't? Will it be okay? Will I be okay in the presence of God's love even if I don't land the dream job? Even if I'm not able to keep, what about the, the job I have now? What if it goes away in a year? Will I be okay? Will I be all right? If I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm loved by God. See, this is when his perfect love literally overwhelms and overcomes whatever fears or realities may come to my life. I actually may be rejected. In fact, I will be. In fact, I have been. And do I believe that even if the people I love don't like me anymore, I'll be okay. Because the God of the universe, the one who created them and who created me, tells me he loves me. See, that reframes, that reframes my biggest fears. I no longer have to muster up the faith to make him go away or make him change. I just simply root myself in the reality of God's love and walk through whatever life may bring. See, Jesus pulled no punches Jesus, he pulled no punches when it came to this kind of real reality and a life and a faith like this with God. In fact, just hours before he would be arrested and ultimately led to a cross, he gathered his followers together and he was telling them exactly kind of what was going to happen and what would come and how they would turn on him and how they would turn on each other and how everything they'd built over three years was about to seemingly be wiped away in a moment. And he gathered them together and he said these words in John 16. He said, look, I've told you all these things. I've said all of these future possibilities that are about to become present realities so that in me you may have what? Peace. Not the absence of fear, but peace, the presence of God in the midst of it. Because, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. You most certainly will have trouble. But Jesus says, take heart. You can take heart. Even if the world around you falls apart, take heart. Even if your marriage hits the rocks, take heart. Even if the job doesn't come, take heart, because I have actually overcome the world. I have already overcome the world. So your fear doesn't need to overcome you anymore. I have actually overcome the world. You don't have to put your faith in your circumstances anymore. You don't have to put your faith in your own ability to believe bigger and make those fears go away. You put your faith in me and you let yourself be defined by my love. And that is how we'll walk through this life together. See, Jesus never invited you or me into a life that is free from fear. We live in a world obsessed with fear. But he did say that you can be free in fear. Big difference. Never promised us that we'd have a life free from fear, that future possibilities won't become our present realities, that we won't hurt, that we won't lose people. Never, ever, ever promised any of that. But he did say in the midst of those overwhelming circumstances, in the midst of the things that you never thought you'd have to face, in the midst of your darkest hour, you can actually be free in me. You can have peace. Why? Because I've overcome the world. There is nothing that can overcome you that I haven't already overcome. So will you let yourself be overcome by my love, even in the face 
of your greatest fear. Just yesterday, I was, had a few hours where I was looking forward to kind of just having some time to read through my notes and be present you know, with God so I could be present here this morning. And, and Jeannie had to run a couple errands. In fact, she had to take Elijah to a, a birthday party. We're at that stage of parenting where we have a part-time job of just driving our kids places. And so he was going to a party. And so you know, I kind of had my mind, she'll take Gigi with her. I'll have two hours of silence in the house. It will be good. And Gigi, our five-year-old, just didn't want to go. She didn't want to go to a dumb boy's birthday party. And so she said, Daddy, I want to I stay with you. And I'm like, okay, but sissy, here's what you have to understand. Like, if you stay, Daddy needs to read. Daddy needs to work for Jesus. And so, <laughs> so you're going to have to play and, and, and do that kind of stuff while Daddy does this. She said, okay. And, so, and it lasted for a little bit. She was upstairs singing and playing. It was great. I had my laptop open, reading through my notes, kind of getting ready. And then she comes downstairs. She goes, Daddy, I'm bored. I'm like, I, I get it, I get it. So I'm like, I, I know what to do. I'll put a movie on. And so I, I'm a good parent. And so I put a movie on. I put a movie on. Um, it was Scooby-Doo and the Monster of Mexico. And it, it's terrible. Don't waste your time on it. And, um, and so I put it on. I'm like, hey, sissy, you're gonna, you, you need to sit on the couch. And I'm going to sit over here. And I'm going to read. But I'm right here. And she goes, OK. So she starts watching. And wouldn't you know it, in the first two minutes, I mean, first like opening credits, she got scared. She goes, Daddy, it's so scary. You know, I'm thinking, all right, different show. Like, let's change it up. And then she looks at me. She goes, will you come hold me? And so I closed my notes. And I climbed over on the couch up there, and I just held her. And we watched a terrible movie <laughs> together. But what she most needed in her fear wasn't me just to make it go away. She just wanted me to be with her. She wanted to know that she was okay, that her daddy was there, that he was present, and he wouldn't let her go. And I, look, I don't know what your fear is that you brought in here with you this weekend, but I do know this. There's a God who loves you greater than your fears, who does not turn his back on you because you've turned your heart and turned your life around your fears that he loves you. And all you have to do is say, will you, will you be with me? Will you hold me? E even if it's overwhelming and I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it through, this is not where I thought my life would be. This is not the reality that I thought I was going to live out. But here I am. And instead of letting my fear overcome me, will you overcome me with your love? Will you come to me and overcome me, God, with your love? Love. See, that's the good news. This is how our life and our faith and our fear gets reframed because at all times, in all circumstances, even in your deepest fears, you are never exempt from the love of God. You are never left out from the love of God. And instead of letting that fear overwhelm you, will you allow yourself today and this week, to be overwhelmed by God's love. To literally have him hold you, embrace you, even in the midst, even in the face of your fear. The challenge for, for this week, I think for every one of us, a practice, a prayer to make a practice in our lives is simply this question. And I want you to think about this when it comes to your specific fears in your life right now. 
I want you to think about whatever it is that you are so fearful and overwhelmed and preoccupied with right now in your life. Where do you need to speak love to fear? Can not ratchet up more faith. That will come when you see how God overcomes your fear with his love. But where do you need to speak love? God's love, perfect love to fear. Where do you need to speak love to fear? When you find yourself going out the course of your week and all of a sudden it comes back, that fear kicks in. You wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you think about. What would it look like for you to speak love? No, God, I know that you love me. And that future possibility may become my present reality, but I am going to be okay in your love. You will never let go of me. I'm going to speak love to that fear. What about your fear of rejection? What would it look like for you today, for the course of this week, to speak love to that? Wouldn't you know it in the week that I'm studying and preparing for this and knowing that I'm going to kind of play my cards and let you know about my own fears of rejection that have been a part of my life for years now? Wouldn't you know it that just in this week alone, I'd have two people in my life reject me in different ways, in very real ways, just two little forms of rejection that I'd face and go, oh, that hurts. I don't know why that happened. Why did that happen? And again, for someone of me who's had that as part of my past, so afraid of rejection, everything starts to kick up. And what, do I, what did I do? What do I need to do differently? And the place that God continued to take me through this week is, it's okay. The people you love may not like you. You're going to be okay, though. You're going to be okay, because I love you. And you're my son, and I will never reject you. I will never let you go. What would it look like for you this week as you face fears of failure? You kick into perfectionism to compensate for your deep fear of failure. You're hustling so hard and working so hard to make sure that every I is dotted and every T is crossed. What would it look like for you in the midst of that fear to stop and be still and know that you are loved by God? And even if you fail miserably, that does not change his love for you. In fact, his love has never failed you. Your fear of being alone kicks in this week and you see one more person on social media, you see one more friend of yours get engaged and you're wondering if it's ever gonna happen to you or if you're ever gonna find any real friends in this city. What would it look like for you in the middle of that longing and that desire and that pain to say, God, will you be for me what I most need? Will you be with me? Remind me that I am never alone with you. That I'm never alone no matter what, with you? What are the fears this week that you just need to speak love to? God's perfect and overwhelming love. In a moment, we're gonna move into a time of response and worship. And this is very, very, very important to do in the face of our fears. Very important. It is seemingly the most absurd thing in the world when you feel overwhelmed by fear to sing but it is in fact one of the most powerful things you can do. To say that even as the world or if the world falls apart around me, God has given me a new song in my heart to sing and I will declare my love for him because I'm going to depend on his love for me. And I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay in his love. Not by my strength that we talked about last week, but in his love. 
And so in a moment, we're going to sing. And I encourage you, whatever your fear may be that you're going to speak love into this week, would you start by speaking these words of truth to God? Would you start by singing your love to God this morning? So I want to ask you to stand right now, and we're going to pray and move into a time of response and worship. And for those of you in the corner classroom and upstairs, I'm going to ask you to stand as well. And I'm going to ask you to take a little posture of prayer that may help you either reveal your heart or help speak to your heart. Right now, I'm going to ask you to open your hands up. You can kind of keep them down at your waist, but just would you open your hands up to God? And see, I don't know all the fears that you may grab to when life gets difficult or challenging. The fears that you reach for and hold on to is some source of hope for you. I don't know. I, I know what mine are. I don't know what yours are, but here's what I do know. We can actually open our hands up to God today and say, I want to be free in the midst of these fears. I want to be open to you. And this week I commit to speaking love to every one of these things that I want to hold on to. I'm going to literally let them go and say, God, I choose to be defined by and rooted in your love, no matter what. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing together. Let's pray together right now. God, thank you. Thank you that your love is greater than our fear. Thank you, Jesus, that you were so honest. You never promised us a life free from fear or free from hurt or free from pain. We live in a world marred and scarred by sin, but it is a world that you have actually overcome with your love. So we thank you, Jesus, for that. We may not even know you or have a relationship with you, but we have a sense in this moment that it's going to be okay in you. And I pray that this truth would be so encouraging that it would compel us even closer to you, that we would have the courage today to say, will you hold me, God? Maybe for the first time. God, will you hold me in this fear? Maybe for the 9,000th time, will you hold me in this fear? Will you remind me that I'm going to be okay in you? I pray that that truth would wash over us right now and that we would sing in the face of of fear. Thank you for your perfect love. We declare it to you now. We live in it now. It's in your name, by your love, that we pray. Amen.